0: I have been noticing some things that have been forming me lately, some things that have been shaping uh, my life and my soul, and uh, that came out kind of southern, didn't it? (laughs) My soul, (laughs) things that seem to be shaping my desires, my habits, my presence as a person, These things are not God, but sometimes they sure seem to be like all-present and awfully powerful in my life. I want to tell you about four of them, the first of which is this. Um, I call them discontentment magazines. I think most people call them catalogs. These are forming my desires. Like I seem to get one of these every other day in the mail, and all of a sudden... My furniture seems very shabby, and uh, I'm like telling Tim, we need to rearrange this whole place. Discontentment magazines, shaping, forming me. The second one, the tone of the news, the angry rhetoric of news, um, it's like it is silently teaching me, slowly over time, that monologue is the same thing as dialogue. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, It's as if, because of the increasingly rare um, civil discourse, uh, it seems like I am just picking up slowly that um, conversations are not really rooted in intent listening or curious questions, uh, but it's more about a monologue of my own thoughts and opinions. Um, This is like shaping my own ability to converse with people, particularly around strong differences in opinion. Okay, third thing, it's like subtly seems to be impacting and shaping my soul, is just the speed with which we drive and live. I don't know if uh, you have noticed, but it seems like everybody is in a hurry. If you go to I-70 on that I-70 corridor, move away from something. (laughs) It's almost like the Autobahn sometimes. So the speed at which we drive is forming me to be in a hurry too. And then last, fourth thing, online ads. I think these are shaping me and forming me to be distracted all the time. I don't know if this has happened to you, but it's like I can be in a conversation with my husband, Tim, and in the course of that conversation, it can come up, yeah, we need a new battery for the remote. So right then and there, pull out my phone, hop on Amazon to get a battery. But when I do that, I notice a text message from my mom. And she's like, when does your flight arrive for Christmas? And I don't know, so then I hop into my email. And as soon as I log into Yahoo!, there's an ad saying that the Instapot is on a Black Friday special. (laughs) And I've kind of been wanting an Instapot. And so then I'm like, is that the best deal? And I'm shopping for Instapots. And then the kids call me. And, you know, several hours later, Tim's like, did you get that battery for the remote? (laughs) Distracted. Hurried. Monologue is the same as dialogue. Dialogue these forces that are shaping us, discontentment magazines. These are ways that I am showing up to myself, to the people I love, and to God. Did you know that the internet is actually rewiring our brains? In his fabulous book I recommend to you called The Shallows, Nicholas Carr talks about how literally... Our brains are changing, that all of these pings that we receive, oh, I got a text message, ping. I got a like on social media, ping. Do you know what it is? It actually is a dopamine rush to your brain. Dopamine is a positive emotion. Dopamine is what you experience when you cuddle with someone. And we get a dopamine hit to our brains every time we get these pings. No wonder we're addicted. No wonder it's so hard to have limits around our technology. There's a positive reward to the brain when you get a ping. Now, I love my children, but I don't think I get a positive dopamine rush when they ask me to cook them something for like the 23rd time before noon. You probably don't get a dopamine rush, a positive reward to your brain when your spouse is like, can you take out the trash? But we do from these uh, tools that are a part of our lives. And please do not hear me saying that these things are bad. Technology is not bad, it is fabulous. It's a fabulous tool. Here's the question we must be asking Who's in control? Am I in control of this technological tool? Or is this tool in control of me? Am I setting the values for my life and allowing the tool to serve those values? Or am I becoming a slave to the tool and to the values of the people behind the tool? Am I being formed by God and the values of God's kingdom and is the tool in support of those? Or am I just letting the cultural forces shape and form my soul? Here's the thing. You do not have to be a follower of Christ to be getting a spiritual formation. You don't have to subscribe to any set of beliefs to be getting a spiritual formation. Everybody who is breathing is getting a spiritual formation. The question is, what are we being formed to? But everybody's getting a spiritual formation. Everybody is being formed. Everyone is being formed spiritually all the time, whether we realize it or not. Often, we're being formed and fashioned. We're being molded. Our wishes, our hopes, our dreams, Are being formed by the internet, by the habits of scrolling, by the discontentment magazines, by the pace at which we drive, by the number of just the sheer number of ads coming at us, by the tone of the news. All of these things are a spiritual formation. They're shaping us. So do you know what spiritual practices are? Spiritual practices are an intentional way to place ourselves in a posture where God can shape and form our souls towards loving him and the things that he loves. But make no mistake, even if we don't participate in any spiritual disciplines, we're getting a spiritual formation all the time. It's just... Often, we're completely unaware of it. Franciscan father Richard Rohr, in his book, Everything Belongs, says this about spiritual practices. All spiritual disciplines have one purpose, to get rid of illusions so we can be present. Those disciplines exist so that we can see what is, see who we are, and see what is happening. All the disciplines have one purpose, to get rid of illusions so we can be present. So let's just take Sabbath. That's a spiritual discipline. What are we doing in Sabbath? I cease from productivity and rest. And in doing so, there is the potential for God to rid me of an illusion that I believe often, which says, all of this life resides on my shoulders. Like, if I don't show up and succeed, if I don't show up and perform well, it's all going to fall apart. In Sabbath, there is the potential for God to rid me of the illusion that says it's all riding on my shoulders. Take another spiritual discipline, the discipline of worship. Coming together for an hour each week, it's like a spiritual gymnasium for our souls. By doing this together, God has the potential. It's like God can remind us here that we are not alone. There's this illusion of isolation we often live with. But when we come together in worship, not only do we remember God is always present, but we also remember together in worship that we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. I am not alone. All month long, we have been talking about the spiritual discipline of gratitude, the practice of being grateful when you're not feeling grateful. We've been encouraging you to try to build a list of 1,000 things you're grateful for. For, um, Can I show you my list? I have only made it to 700 at this point, (laughs) but um, here's my list. And uh, if you have been doing this, here is what is kind of almost comical about trying to make a list of 1,000 things you're grateful for. At some point, like for me around like 376 or something, you're sort of like, I don't know, I can't think of anything else you write like 200 names of people in your life you write every single place you've lived every job you've had. you know you're just and then I don't know so for me um, you know i reached that point and i just lifted my head from my morning chair and i looked out the window and i saw this tree this is kind of where it gets comical so then <laughs> then i write this trees seeds dirt water air leaves bark <laughs> it keeps going tree houses, tree swings, tree ropes, trees tall, tree beauty, trees obey, trees are. (laughs) It uh, becomes almost kind of funny. I mean, this, though, it's a spiritual discipline. It's getting rid of an illusion so I can be present to what is, to who I am, and to what's happening so I can be present to God. Because God's presence is in the present. When Tim said, make a list of a thousand things, it was very easy to write that off. It was very easy to be like, that's crazy, a thousand things. It's way too hard. It's way too many. But here's the thing. Just like all spiritual practices, it serves that one purpose, ridding ourselves of illusion, illusions becoming present, to see, to see the tree. The tree it's actually keeping us alive. Like if it were not for the gift of trees, we would all suffocate from CO2. Like the tree is a gift. Jesus spoke this way. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus urges his followers to not worry about tomorrow, to not worry about all the things that seem so important like food and clothing, and he encourages his followers to remember that they will be taken care of by a father who loves us. Jesus said these words, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Has enough trouble of its own. Jesus' words seem kind of out of step with our society. On the surface, they lack coherence with the lives we are often living. It's almost like he's like, don't worry, just look at the birds. Like, really, Jesus, how is looking at the birds going to help me with my struggling marriage? What does that have to do with the crisis I'm facing at work? How is looking at the birds going to help me raise my children? As one commentator, Ulrich Lutz, said, um, he put it like this, when interpreted in a superficial manner, this statement could only have been written by a single guy living a carefree life on the beach in sunny Galilee. (laughs) But what Jesus is saying here is you're living in an illusion. His message here is that much of what matters to us today, much of the focus on the material aspects of our lives does not need to be taken so seriously all the time. And that it really can be completely entrusted to a loving God who knows what you need and will provide. This is spiritual formation. This is Christian spiritual formation. The psalmist said this, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God, that this is reality, that this is life. That here in the stillness with God is the place where the illusions can be rid. Most of the time, we are being spiritually formed towards more illusions in life, all of these forces training us and teaching us to think and believe That we are what we do, that it all rests on us, that we are what we have, that we are what other people say about us. But spiritual practices are the place where we become present and where those illusions uh, can be rid from us. So that I might be present to the deep and abiding and never-ending love of God which it's already yours in christ i don't earn it i don't deserve it it's already yours it's already mine to fall into we don't participate in spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines like the earlier you get up the more often you do that the more it doesn't work that way it's already yours So the the practice is just placing yourself in a place where all the illusions can go away and the reality of what really already has been yours all along can be real and true in your lived experience with God. The Apostle Paul said this, Therefore, if you were raised with Christ, look for the things that are above, where Christ is sitting at God's right hand, Think about the things above and not things on earth. You died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. What he is saying is the truest thing about you is what God says about you. It's not what you say about yourself. It's not what others say about you. The truest thing about you is what God says about you. So think about such things. So spiritual practices like gratitude lists are ways we place ourselves in an awareness of the flowing river of God's love that exists all the time around me. It's just I'm often blind. I often don't see the reality of God's presence. What I'm doing instead is I'm reacting all the time to the stimuli of the material world that is seeking to give me a spiritual formation 24-7, 365 days a year. Fabulous author Martin Laird in his most recent book said this, one of the early realizations of the life of stillness is that the opposite of the contemplative life is not the active life, but the reactive life highly habituated emotional styles and lifestyles that keep us constantly reacting to life, like victimizing victims. Constantly reacting. Here comes the magazine. Gotta do that. Oh, here comes the ad. Gotta do that. Oh, here's a ping on my phone. Gotta. We're constantly reacting. So the opposite of the contemplative life is not the active life. It's the reactive life. Really, the secret... The secret of the contemplative life is to learn to live in the now. Because God's presence is in the present. And we're often living in the past or fear of the future. But God's presence is in the present. And what happens is we, as we grow older, we just tend to become control freaks. We want to control, we think if we can control everybody and everything, then we will finally be happy, but the secret is to learn to live in the now where God's presence is. It is what the saints of old would call the sacrament of the present moment. Sacrament of the present moment. So how do we do this? Everything I have is already yours. The poet Mary Oliver Uh, She could be our guide with this simple poem. She says, instructions for living a life. Pay attention. Be astonished. Tell about it. Let's pray together as we close. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. As you move through this week, you might just say those words. As you breathe in, you could pray the first half of that sentence. On the inhale, be still and know. And then as you breathe out, finish the phrase, that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. God, we thank you that your presence is in the present. And as we come to the table of communion, now to dine with you, to share a meal with you, we thank you for this picture of the Eucharist. We thank you for this story that we remember that you gathered with your disciples and you took the bread and you blessed the bread and you broke it and you gave it. And in the same way, your life, Jesus, was taken and blessed and broken and given for the healing of the world. And you invite us to follow you in that same Eucharist rhythm way of living that we too would be taken and blessed and broken and given for the healing of the world. And God, you know our hearts. You know how we love the blessing and we don't love the breaking. But we dine with you here. And we follow you in this way of living. And we treasure your presence your presence with us in the blessing and in the breaking in the giving and in the receiving may we live more moments in your presence may we live more in this invitation to the Eucharist life In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.